Hi, this is Elliot Fishman. I'd like to welcome you back to the fifth and final supplement of our uh, comparing rendering techniques, focusing on volume rendering versus MIP versus MPR. And this will be our shortest part of the five. And in this, I'll just talk a little bit about applications and future directions. The first thing to comment on, of course, is with musculoskeletal applications of 3D imaging, volume rendering is surely the obvious choice. We can supplement this with multiplanar reconstruction, particularly coronal and sagittal imaging, and that's something we routinely do, and it's something we've routinely done for many years. Uh, especially these days where we recommend in patients with certain types of injuries, stab wounds, gunshot wounds, that CTA be part of the process of looking at skeletal trauma in general, volume rendering indeed becomes even more helpful, particularly for rapid analysis of data sets with no need for bone removal or any editing. And in those situations, of course, we will use MIP to supplement volume rendering but again, it's a matter of understanding application. So just look at a few examples. The first thing, of course, is we know from our prior discussions that if you want to see soft tissue, you need to be within volume rendering. So in this case of a patient with venous stasis, we're doing a runoff study as well as looking for an abscess. You can see that the image on your left shows very nicely the volume rendering of the skin with some of the subcutaneous collaterals. That's a volume rendered image. If you want to see the skin and you want to see muscle, you have to be using some sort of volume rendering. The MIP in this case nicely shows you disease in the patient's anterior tibial on the right and left, as well as the extensive vascular calcifications and collaterals. So in this situation, the MIP and volume work hand in hand. I will, of course, look at the volume rendered images as well for looking at the vascular map. But again, making the point that if you want to see muscle or vessel, you better be within that uh, a volume rendered image. In terms of volume rendering in musculoskeletal imaging, you really need to use a very opaque rendering. We can vary the lighting model a little bit. In this case, uh, it's a fairly opaque rendering on your left, but you'll notice that I'm trying to show some of the subcutaneous vessels, the varices, and I'll therefore make some of the skin a bit transparent. And again, this flexibility is something that you have under your control, and of course, when you want to focus on the MIP, as we do in this uh, set of images, you really can get very nice vascular visualization. You also uh, notice in this case what's very important in order to see the vessels very well, it's what you don't see that's critical. And what you don't see in this example, of course, is the bone. So if we, you have used the bone um, removal algorithm, and so if you're doing MIP really in any area, but particularly the extremities, the bone removal indeed becomes very critical. I mentioned changing the uh, volume rendering. Here is the same data set. Actually, the bone has been removed, not that you could tell on these images, but you very nicely see the difference in uh, the lighting model we use, the difference in the visualization, the difference in opacity. And again, there are presets. If you use InSpace, for example, from Siemens, they're very nice InSpace presets we have developed that look at skin, that look at muscle, look at soft tissue, and that makes the process fairly easy. In terms of the vascular component I mentioned before, and here's just another example, showing you bone removal in a patient with a fem-fem bypass graft, showing you how the patient has extensive disease, particularly in the left SFA and popliteal vessel. You see calcifications, you see areas of stenosis. This is the volume display, and here's the uh, companion MIP display. Again, we use both of them together. 
Another comment in terms of volume rendering and something that really shows the strength of volume rendering is what I would call the different flavors of volume rendering. Since our early involvement with Pixar, we've always favored volume rendering that was more transparent. Maybe this was because we wanted to really show the difference between volume rendering and classic shaded surface where things were very white and you lost all the detail, whether it was cranially with the sinuses, whether it was in bone, losing trabeculations. So we like transparency. And here's a good example with a dislocated elbow. Both of these are volume rendered image. You would swear that the image on your right, of course, is a shaded surface. It's very white, it's very opaque, it's very chalky looking. And you can do that, some people do like it. At times it is helpful, particularly on static images. Uh, gives you a little bit more, at times, three-dimensional feel than more of the transparency does, particularly if you make images very transparent. But you can see in this set of images, to me anyway, look at the um, ulna, for example. I think the ulna, the olecranon and the like, is better seen, you get a better feel as to its bony density on the volume rendered image on your left than you get in the volume rendering with high opacity on your right. Again, it's easy enough to do both of them, but we do find the transparency to be typically more helpful, but it's easy enough to go from one to the other. You also saw that in this case, in terms of editing, we did edit out the cast. One nice thing, of course, in the trauma setting about CT is overlying structures just really aren't important to us. Automated removal, in this case, takes away the cast very nicely. You also see the dislocation. You see relationship of ulna and radius to the humerus. And you really can see very nicely the various components. And we would you know, change the rendering to look at the fracture fragments that you see here. Here's a view from behind the elbow and a view from a sagittal projection. So again, think about volume rendering as a spectrum of image capabilities. MIP is MIP. You project the image, there's very little flexibility. Volume rendering has massive flexibility. And that brings us to the beginning of the talk where we spoke about comparing MIP and volumes that the advantage of MIP, of course, was its flexibility as well as its accuracy. But one of the potential limitations was that within flexibility, there potentially is more room for human error, as, especially when people are learning the system. But again, learn it and you'll have no issue. In terms of future directions, uh, unlike the person who was head of the, uh, the uh, Bureau of Standards of the US, who in 1896 said that they were gonna have to close down the patent office because everything that was to be discovered had been discovered. We recognize that the future is very bright and changes will continue. We believe there'll be better implementations of the rendering techniques. We believe that changes in the processes of the computer, particularly as we go to 64-bit architecture, will allow us to have faster rendering and faster 3D workflow, particularly because of our ability to load data faster, the ability to load multiple data sets, potentially uh, subtract data sets. And again, the changes in Intel and AMD and Microsoft will truly drive a lot of our business. And we will continue to see a lot more application-specific software, whether it's runoff studies or fractures or cardiac imaging. So things will continue to change. If you want more information on this topic, here was an article, literally we just published, this was from RSNA a year or so back, and it's in radiographics, just a terrific job by everybody putting this article together. And I think it's a very uh, worthwhile article to look at online or in radiographics, and uh, a lot of the images in this presentation are in that article as well. I think one good quote from that article, 
uh, is as follows. Radiologists must embrace this paradigm shift from traditional slices to primary 3D volume visualization in order to efficiently and comprehensively review large data sets and ultimately improve patient care. We predict that within a few years, 3D CT imaging will no longer be a specialized study done on select patients, but will be a part of review of routine cases as well. And that's a quote from that article. And you know, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think it's very exciting. I think the changes we're all seeing are uh, an incredible opportunity. And to quote Winston Churchill, an optimist sees an opportunity in every calamity, a pessimist sees in calamity in every opportunity. So we only see opportunities, and hopefully that's what you see as well. We also hope that this five-part series on volume rendering versus MIP versus NPR was helpful. We plan on having future lectures using this similar type of format. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And with that, I'll say goodbye, and we'll see you online. Thanks very much.